Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, uh, back to the show. So in this episode, I'm going to be continuing my conversation with Jenna Lee, uh, except for this episode, we're going to kind of focus in on the fear of birthing pain um, because a lot of women are really concerned um, about what they're going to feel and how they're going to manage. So we want to kind of, you know, shed some light on this topic. So welcome back to the show, Jana. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, okay. So last podcast, we were, you know, we were talking about birth plans and unbirth plans. Um, and I thought we'd just do a really quick reintroduction of you. People can obviously go listen to the previous, uh, previous episode with, uh, with you, but just let's do a quick recap of who you are. Okay. Uh, so, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Jana Lee Ferreira. I am a full-spectrum doula here in the city. Um, so that means that I provide support for all kinds of expecting families, um, and all kinds of births with all kinds of um, babies and and what I, kind of whatever the family needs during a time of transition is what I'm able to provide them. Um, I'm also a postpartum doula, so I do a lot of support with families after uh, baby has arrived, which is um, where a lot of families are kind of seeking support. They There's a lot of pressure, kind of like our last um, podcast was about just that there's a lot of that feels at stake with the birth and a lot of families are focusing on, you know, preparing for birth and not always the baby. So um, I make sure that families kind of have their eyes on both things. I'm a childbirth educator here in the city. I teach a newborn 101 class and this is all I do and this is what I love to do. Um, and yeah, that's a little bit about me. Awesome. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. Just, just so we build context for our, you know, conversation that we're going to have. So yeah. I'm going to start with, um, because obviously you, you've attended many births um, and you've seen all kinds of different things. I'm certain from one spectrum to the other, but is all labor painful? So that's, this is a great question because I get this question at every childbirth ed class that I teach, everybody wants to know, like, you know, how likely is it that I'm going to feel pain? Like, is it guaranteed? Is it like 85%? Is there any way I can get through this without feeling any pain? Um, and I would say that the, the funny part about that question is that I'm coming to believe that, uh, that the labor pain or feeling the sensations of pain around labor happens even before the first contraction is felt. So um, that kind of means that the buildup to labor, the nervousness of the labor, the anxiety, the worry, or on the flip side, you know, the optimism and the preparation and the excitedness and feeling confident and ready um, is, it seems to be really what decides whether labor, labor is painful or not. 
Um, so some families, and, and to speak to that a little bit more, is is sometimes like a cesarean is seen as a kind of like a painless way to give birth. So not like recovery-wise, but just the actual part of baby being born. Um, but that can also still be a painful experience, um, whether that be physical or 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 emotional or mental. Um, so I would say that not all labors are painful, no. Um, and I can't put them into categories that vaginal is painful, epidural is not painful, um, because I've seen vaginal birth, you know, the, the birthers say that it was relatively, it wasn't painful at all. And I've seen people who have epidurals or cesareans who, who comment on it being quite a painful experience, even physically. Um, so no, not all labor is painful, which is a good thing for people listening if they're pregnant um, and nervous about giving birth because it does not have to be a painful experience. For sure. And I like that you started with, you know, um, you know, sort of the pre-labor part, you know, our beliefs, our perceptions, our anticipations um, actually does play a lot in pain because, I mean, the de- the actual, you know, sort of definition of pain is a unpleasant sensory or emotional experience um, that is based on actual or perceived danger. So you, you know, you could have, I mean, you could stub your toe and have a memory of stubbing your toe. And anytime somebody, um, you know, talks about stubbing your, uh, stubbing their toe, you, you have this like illicit response, remembering that pain, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, like if you're watching, you know, those funny videos and you see like, um, a gentleman kind of get hit by a ball down there and everybody's like, yeah. oh, right? Like guys can relate to that pain and then they can actually feel that pain even though the pain's, even though the event isn't actually occurring to them, right? So, you know, we see, you know, movies of birthing, you know, Hollywood movies and you see like women screaming, right? So, you know, sometimes like the images and the conversations we expose ourselves to prior to birthing um, can give us perceptions and beliefs about what we're going to experience that may ramp up our nervous system or may ramp the nervous system down, right? So it's all about perceived sort of like danger, right? That's, that's what pain is, is to alert us, like either you're about to create damage or damage has occurred or, um, you know, just kind of like that early warning system. So it's interesting that you know, you would have brought that up and thank you for doing so. Yeah. I love to go around the room at my childbirth ed class and ask each person is labor painful. You know, everybody has their own answer to that and none of us have given birth, but we already, you know, some of us say, well, yes, it's, it's the most painful. There's nothing more painful or it doesn't have to be painful. And so I kind of tell people that their answer for what they believe is most likely going to inform their experience and they're asking me because they want one more perspective um you know and and i i like to assume that it's because they don't want it to be painful and they want to have hope that it's not painful um but that you know they it's going to be something that they decide for themselves before labor um and that's what they're going to bring into it so when they feel that sensation then they you know they probably already labeled it painful or just 
labor related and and not necessarily pain. When you talk with your <clears throat> clients after giving birth, like what are some of the kind of descriptor words for the sensations that they like what kind of what kind of sensations or descriptions have you come across people telling you about their labor and birthing experience? So some, it's, it's quite interesting um, because most of the things that I hear are things that I want them to have, you know, to have experience. So for example, some of them say, you know, it's not, you know, the pain I could, I knew that there was pain and that it was painful, but it just, I couldn't even think. And that's what freaked them out. You know, it wasn't the pain themselves. It was the fact that they were unable to then control their mind and they maybe didn't know where they were or they maybe weren't able to verbalize anymore and that freaked them out. Sometimes the pain is, you know, that they were just like, they found the pain annoying and that the hard part about the pain wasn't the pain itself. It was the two minutes between the pain because they spent that entire two minutes waiting for the, for the first twang of, you know, that kind of like really deep, um, period cramp sensation. Um, so that's, so the, a lot of them are saying, you know, a lot of like a back tightness, um, really deep, really, really bad period pains, gas pains, um, that they kind of takes their breath away and that they're unable to think or to speak. Um, and, and that they can't, they can't seem to touch it from the outside. Nothing from the outside seems to be able to ease any of that pain. That's how they, most of the birthers describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've certainly heard women talk about like, you know, feeling this like huge intensity. I mean, it's, it, it's a very intense combination of different sensations, right? Um, and not everybody would describe it as pain, but would describe it as like an intensity or, you know, like this massive buildup of energy or this massive buildup of pressure or, um, you know, tightness, as you, as you sort of mentioned. Um, so there, I mean, certainly there are different descriptors. Uh, and again, not all of them are this like, um, type of pain that you're not able to tolerate. Right. And exactly. So, and, and you're right. And that's a lot of the advice is it's something, or when the, the feedback is, it's something that has never been felt before. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's not like burning yourself or breaking a bone or, you know, it's, it's, it's totally unique. Um, yeah. In the, in the sense that they've never maybe felt anything like that before. Absolutely. And, and you know, I think talking about, you know, uh, and this is why I talk a lot about pain, um, you know, with my clients when I'm sort of doing my labor and delivery preparation um, sessions with them. You know, I talk about pain. I talk about the different receptors in the body. I try to help them understand what their body's trying, you know, like what their body's, how the body communicates about these different sensations um, so that sometimes having an like having an understanding of why the sensations are there reduces the fear 
And when you reduce the fear, you reduce the tension and tightness, you're more relaxed. And um, that can, in fact, make it much easier to move through the contraction because you're not like trying to squeeze through the contraction, like trying to hold off the pain. It's like you kind of step into the zone and you and you work with it because you know that, you know, the pain isn't necessarily that something bad is happening. And in fact, something really good is happening, right? Like your baby's coming to you. Um, so I try to do a lot of education around, you know, even the sensations that you feel uh, is not necessarily an indicator that something, you know, is tearing or something bad is happening to your body, right? So I think, you know, having that understanding and that knowledge can be really helpful in reducing fear around pain. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, that's your fear pain tension cycle is, you know, if a birther can get a control of that and, and sit in that and really focus on reducing the fear or reducing the tension, they're laughing, you know, those are the ones who kind of get to the other side and they're like, that was the hardest thing I've ever done. But like, here I am. Absolutely. Very cool. So when you, so in your birth education classes, like, you know, you know uh, how do you, how do you kind of talk about pain? Like, how do you sort of help people understand, you know, what's, what's going on? Um, so in my childhood bed classes, I do a lot of the classic kind of things. So for pain, we often, you know, make them squeeze the ice cube you know, for a minute. So you hold it gently in your hand for 10 seconds. You squeeze a little bit tighter for 10 seconds and you squeeze really hard for 20 seconds. So it's like super intense and cold. And then they slowly kind of loosen their grip and they, and that's a minute, right? So we do that first off without any kind of prep. Um, and it's, we, everybody does it, both birthers and non-birthers. Um, and I like to do it because I like to see how people naturally re- react you know, some people are chatty and some people are quiet. Um, so we'll do that when we do the, like the wall sit, you know, until their legs start to quiver and they feel like they can't do it anymore. And, and um, so I, I do kind of brace them a little bit for the physical piece of it. Um, but I also don't necessarily, you know, like you were saying, everybody's body is going to register pain the same. So I do try to focus a little bit more on, um, the, the the head space piece of it so right. you know I don't know if you're going to feel back pain I don't know if you're going to feel it high in your belly low in your belly are you going to feel it deep in your pelvis are you going to feel you know potentially it'll be the fact that you know your body will be overheating that might actually be the most discomforting part of labor and and you're like the contractions are fine it's just like I want to crawl out of my skin because I just feel like I can't even I, I can't regulate my temperature um, so I try not to focus too much on those things and just kind of I give them other, other tools to, to, and you know what, people talk about pain all the time in labor. And, you know, I, so I try to give them a reprieve from that. They know labor can be painful. It's probably why they're taking the class to figure out, yeah, I accept that it's painful. So what am I going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, at, at minimum, it's going to be intense. Right. You know, um, but I like how you sort of have these, you know, little experiments, right? Where you're showing people different ways that the body can feel discomfort. I mean, you know, do a hardcore exercise routine and tell me that's not, you know, painful and, and discomforting, right? Your muscles are burning, your lungs are on fire, right? And yet, you know, 
at the end of it, it's like, wow, okay, cool. I feel, you know, I feel good. I can't believe I made it through, you know, that routine. Um, and I certainly found for, for my birth, you know, like once all of that happened and baby was out, it was almost like, it almost seemed like an immediate amnesia. Yes. Yes. Like it, it, it was just, it was weird because it was like so intense and it was happening. And, and so my birth, uh, my laboring, I, I did it without an epidural. So I was, I was present the entire time. Um, and it was just like intense, intense, intense. And then it was just over. And that, that was probably like the sh- most shocking. It was just like, it just like everything just stopped really. Uh, I mean, you know, a little bit of sore, you know, soreness afterwards, you know, I just literally gave birth. Right. But, but like the intensity that I was experiencing prior to it, just all of a sudden it just stopped and, you know, here's my baby. And I was just so overwhelmed and overjoyed with that part that, it, it, it's like the brain was like, okay, let's erase those memories. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking it's an evolutionary uh, perspective to, you know, to make sure yeah. that we continue to pro- procreate, right? But it was really, really hard to recall the sensations afterwards. Like I, I couldn't even, like I could describe it, but like it was like a very blurry and faint distant memory that I just like I couldn't really recall the whole part of it it was really interesting yeah Yeah. and that's you know that's such a beautiful thing because we really try to protect you know the birth hormones right so the amount of oxytocin running through someone's body mixed with that shot of adrenaline as they're pushing their baby out like there there almost can be nothing but euphoria afterwards right you're just like flooded and then seeing this you know, the baby, like that's, you know, a yeah. huge oxytocin boost. Like it's, it's, you know, it is the love, it's the love hormone, right? They're, they're, it's, yeah, that's, un, that's amazing. That's a beautiful story. Thank you. Thank you. So nice that you had that. That's so awesome. Yeah. I mean, you know, like there were moments where, you know, I just thought that like I couldn't keep going. And every time I sort of thought to myself, I couldn't keep going, like, you know, my midwife was like, we're ready to like push now. Like they're like, you're, you're near the end here. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, okay. I can, I can do the rest. <laughs> totally. totally. Um, and I can feel like my body responding to your story, right? I can feel like I'm feeling like lovey right now, all the oxytocin and like the adrenaline of like, can't go any farther. And then you finally get there. So if, you know, if, if I'm a non-pregnant person and I'm responding to your story this way, you know, I, I think that, you know, birthers, when they hear birth stories, there's going to be responses in them and it kind of becomes part of, of, of their realm of possibility. And, yeah. and, um, then that's an important piece of pain is like hearing that it's not pain yeah. and, and hearing it being described other than the worst thing you'll ever go through in your whole life. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and, and you know, that's why I'll sometimes encourage people to, you know, just like, um, just be aware of the kind of stories they're surrounding themselves with, right? Um, surrounding, surrounding birth, you know, I, I, you know, during my birthing process, I tried to kind of visualize, you know, um, 
this beautiful, you know, birthing. I, I, I was just recalling some like uh, hypnobirthing videos that I saw and seeing these women, you know, not in the sort of Hollywood way, but just like in this beautiful way giving birth. And I just kept trying to think of like, okay, just be relaxed like they are and like just work through it. And so I had this vision, this positive vision in my mind. And that's what I was kind of like trying to keep my attention and focus on. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty powerful. So let's talk about comfort measures. Um, you know, obviously that was one of mine was to, to visualize, you know, breathing through and moving through. Um, and that for me was really, really helpful um, as a comfort measure. What are your sort of top three go-tos? So before I do that, I just, I want to acknowledge that, I mean, I'm a, I'm a childbirth educator, I'm a doula, and I, so I love the traditional comfort measures, right? So um, if you take a class or you read a book, you're going to hear, you know, about the TENS machine, like the gate control, right? You're going to hear about um, things like counter irritants. So a lot of people will, you know, some birthers will hit themselves or scratch themselves or you know, smash their foot on the floor during contraction or squeeze something spiky. Like there's, there's comfort measures like hot and cold and massage and all those things are really great. Um, but I'm going to go a little bit left field here. So I yeah, feel like let's you'll, do you'll it. be able to, <laughs> to do this with me. Um, so the first one that you kind of already talked about, we talked about, um, is that, so these are things that when I tell birthers, like, so if you, you know, some people are closed off to pain and they tell me, I know I want an epidural and like, I don't really want to work that hard. Like if I can do it, then I want to, but if I can't, I'm just going to get the epidural. So that's totally fine. And regardless of where somebody's at, A, I'm happy to meet them where they're at, but B, I think that all of this work is good, but it's especially important for people who hear the whisper in their back of their mind underneath all the other voices that like, maybe you can do this. You know, so if a birther has that whisper, this is the kind of work that I want them to do. And so the first one for me, the most important is to reframe everything that they hear inside of themselves and everything that they hear outside of themselves. So inside and outside. So, you know, part of that is like, working through their own birth story, which is like kind of hippie and left field, but you know, we are often told the stories of our births over and over and over again. And for a lot of us that those stories are a little bit scary. Mm. So, you know, a lot of us had the cord wrapped around our neck when we were born and we weren't breathing. You know, a lot of us, it was an emergency cesarean. It was, you know, maybe for whatever reason, our, our parents or our caregivers, or even our grandparents or people who were around at the time when they tell us these stories, you know, we, we might've been hearing a scary story for a long time. Um, and that's been etched in. So kind of re reworking our own birth story, I think is a very important piece of it. Um, and then of course, like hearing everyone else's birth story you've ever heard. So whether that be sisters, friends, cousins, work colleagues, strangers, nail techs, hairdressers, you know, going online on forums. I can't even tell you how many of my clients are scouring the forums, reading birth stories because they want to know every possibility of what could go wrong or what could happen. Um, and like, I tell them if you want, like, you know, knowledge can be power, but you're carrying all of these stories with you when you birth your baby. And mm. you know, you, I, I share a piece that I wrote with them and it's called, you are the protagonist of your own birth story. Um, and just reminding them that like, this is your story. 
Like, you kind of get to decide how what happens here. You're the main character. Like, yeah, we can't control all of the rising action. We can't control, like, the brick plan. Like, actually, we can't control everything that happens. But this is your story. And, and just really reminding them that what they hear, you know, about other people, just trying not to bring that into, into their birth space if that's not what they want. Mm. I think that's really important. Okay. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, that's, that's a good, that's a good, uh, good point, right? We can't control what happens, but we certainly can control how we, how we react and how we are going to think and, you know, feel about, uh, about different, different things. And I would also challenge, you know, like if you're reading stories, right? Like not just reading them from the perspective of what could go wrong, but also what could go right. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's kind of is, is everyone's job and, you know, in themselves is, is, you know, being honest with themselves. You know, like, what am I getting out of this? Is this scaring me or is this making me feel, you know, empowered? Is this, is this, you know, making me feel more confident or is this giving me a little bit more fear? And just being super honest about what the story, because sometimes, you know, if people, you know, they're, they're, you know, Sometimes I have clients who watch, they want to have a home birth. And so they're like, okay, I'm going to watch some home birth. And it freaks them out. You know, and a week before, you know, their due date, they call me and they're like, I can't have a home birth. And I'm like, what do you mean you can't have a home birth? And they're just like, you know what? Like I've watched those videos and I, I, like, I don't think I can do that. Like that, you know, I think it actually really scares me. Right. And then like kind of unpacking what that, what that's going to mean for somebody. So um, I think that, you know, reading stories and doing that kind of stuff can be really powerful as long as someone's checking themselves and, and being honest about the effect that it's going to, that it's having on them, um, mm-hmm. either consciously or subconsciously through dreams or the conversations or, or things that come up a little bit later. Yeah, absolutely. You know, framing yeah. it and sort of setting, setting your, setting, trying to set yourself up for, um, you know, for, for success. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely didn't think you were going to – that that was a little left field for me. But that's totally fine. It's totally cool. I just wasn't expecting uh, necessarily that. Um, because a lot – like you're saying, a lot of what scares people is fear. Or like yeah. the fear pain tension, right? So the more afraid we are, the more pain we're going to feel. So even like with the talk, sometimes we'll have families do is like every single night they tell, you know, they, you know whoever the birth partner is, if they have one – they, they tell the, a birth story, you know, and every single night they change it a little bit and every single night they make it okay in the end. So, you know, the first night is like the ideal perfect birth, you know, everyone wants quick and quick, right. And painless. So we tell that story. Okay. Then the next night, maybe make it a long birth and tell what that story would, would kind of be like. And then the next one, you know, add something in that maybe you don't want to happen, but like you feel comfortable with. So then, you know, by the end, you know, after, you know, after whatever three four weeks there's been all of these birth stories and you've told yourself the story and you've made yourself feel safe and you've made yourself feel okay um so that you know if those things you know they're not as big and scary because you've already talked them through you verbalize that it's happened you verbalize that like you've gone there and everything's been okay um mm-hmm. and so that's a huge comfort measure is just like i know the story and i know that it ends okay for sure because that's what scares people the most. What scares people the most is that it's not going to be okay. You know, yeah. and that's a very scary, you know, that's not comfort. That's not comforting. 
So if that's what you've been, you know, watering and nurturing for the last two, four, seven, whatever months, you know, that's, you're bringing that into the birth space. So if I could make that a comforting feeling, that's going to massively help when contractions start. 100%. Yeah. Um, so what are some, let's talk about, so you got like sort of like the mental, emotional preparation for wow. comfort, comfort measures, which are very, very important. Let's talk a couple of like physical comfort measures. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I do think um, kind of going back to the physical piece of it and preparing before labor. So you know, I don't believe that a comfort measure someone tries for the first time before labor is, I think there's a lot of value in, in doing things before. So one thing I do, so we, in the class, we do the ice cube and we do the, and we do the, the wall fit. But I tell clients, like, get out your foam roller or your lacrosse ball and, like, find that awful spot on your leg that, like, takes your breath away, that, like, you, you, you can't even stand and sit there for a minute. You know, and then yeah. get off the roller for two minutes and then get on for a minute and like do that for an hour. Like, let's 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 try this out for real. You know, let's see how we do. Um, and I and I do that in terms of of, of so that they can begin to um, find other soothing ways to eliminate that pain. So, for example, um, maybe that they have a heat pad with them. So they're going to like go like find a foam rolling spot and then between the foam rolling put on some heat or put heat on another place on their body or put a cold cloth on their forehead and see if that actually helps them chill out a little bit. Right. Even like eating or drinking. So it's like, okay, you're a minute on the foam roller. And then when you have your two minutes, you're having some water, you're having a little bit of a snack. And then you go back on for a minute and then you come off, you have a little bit more of your snack. Right. And like, is food helpful? Is water helpful? Like, what are you, are you able to rest? Right. Like, can you find a restful physical position? you know, being on your hands and knees and then having that intense, you know, lacrosse ball somewhere terrible. And then hands and knees, like is, is, is swaying back and forth. Like, are you, is, is moving on the foam roller better than just staying in one spot, you know? And so practicing that I think is a super great way um, to prepare for comfort measure for labor um, because then you learn to use what you have um, and then hopefully you'll see whether like heat is soothing or cold is soothing and, and begin to, to to tune into what you need when you're in physical discomfort rather than again creating the story of like oh what do i think that i'm going to feel and what do i think that i'm going to need i think that's a really actually amazing thing you just sort of brought up because and it, and it parallels exactly what i do in my labor and prep when i'm teaching birthers you know perineal stretching and massage Right. Um, but I guess adding that extra piece. So not only just exposing and practicing exposing your body to unpleasant sensations, but actually practicing your comfort measures. Um, you know, whether that's, you know, having soothing music while you're doing your perineal stretch or, you know, having a pleasant smell, uh, you know, like maybe dabbing uh, an oil on a cotton ball and waving that in front of your nose while you're, you know, in this unpleasant sensation and just seeing um, what is going to offer you, you know, that reprieve in that moment. Yeah. So I love that. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, and it's, and, you know, I've, you know, for people who do it and sometimes they message me and they're like, Oh my God, I'm going to be the worst birther. Cause like I did it for 20 minutes. I already quit, you know? And they're like, it was too hard. I don't want to do this. And I, and I just say like, well, thankfully you did because now you kind of know like where you're, I call them bruise points, kind of like the sensitive places, right? Like now, you know, you know, if this is important to you and you want to work and you want to, you know, try to do this unmedicated, then like, now you know exactly where you are, you know, where, the, where, you know, what the work could be. So and then you can practice um, from that point, right? Like it's not, totally. oh, I made it, you know, like the first couple times I did perineal stretching, like it wasn't something that I wanted to just like keep doing for a period of time. Right. Um, so, you know, you kind of start off a little bit. Um, and then, you know, as you're getting closer to, you know, as I was getting closer to, um, you know, the due date, you know, I started, you know, practicing more and practicing a little bit longer and practicing a little bit more intensely. Um, so there's something to say about the practice piece, right? It's like right now I can only do 10 push-ups, and then my arms feel like they're going to fall off. But you know, if you kind of continue to practice, right, eventually 30 push-ups is not as big of a deal. Right. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, you know, that, that practice piece, you know, just starting where you are now doesn't necessarily mean that's where you have to stay. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I think that there's a lot of power in, in just like owning where, you know, yeah, just being like, yeah, this is where I am. And this is kind of, and then we know what the plan is. Right. Yep. So I know if the 20 minutes is impossible, then we're going to do all the comfort measures. We're going to like dim the lights and put some music on and like make sure you have like your favorite drink and put you in some comfy clothes and just like really make sure like maybe you put Netflix on, you know, like I'm okay. Like I'm okay to compromise. I'm okay to distract as much as we need to. And then slowly, typically what I like to do is, is take things away you know, yeah. because it, it, there will come a point in labor where it's, it's just you, it's just, it's just the burger, yeah. you know, and yeah. there's no more distracting and there's no more, like I can provide no more comfort. It needs to come from within. Yes. Um, and, and I, so ideally we're going to work towards that, but I tell them like that can be labor. You know, you don't have to be there before you give birth. Trust just like you're just like you, you know, just like, you know how to birth, even though you don't know that you know how to birth. Trust that you're going to know how to go inside and how to cope, even though you might not know now how you're going to cope when you get there. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so I think that's a, a really helpful um, comfort measure for, for people. And then the other piece of it, too, is also like, again, a little bit left field, but, um, you know, when they're doing like the foam rolling and the lacrosse ball, I tell people like, do it in your underwear, maybe in your bra you know, and kind of like get used to being, you know, uh, being naked for a lot of people is a big, um, uh, makes them feel really uncomfortable. Um, so the thought of like, you know, being in a hospital room and being naked in and of itself is uh, really hard. Um, so just kind of like practicing being naked is, is can be also helpful and especially when it comes to this one physical sensation and also feeling um, potentially uh, vulnerable if uh, unrobed or derobed. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the birthing person's, you know, partner and sort of how they can be helpful 
you know, because, you know, you know, your partner wants to be helpful. You know, what are some ways that, you know, partners can be involved in this process, even from the preparation perspective? Yeah. So, um, so it kind of like, the, so two things, just a parallel, I think. Um, so when you told that story, it's actually very funny. You said that example about like, when we see, when I see a, a guy in a video, you know, getting like hit in the testes with a ball or something, I kind of like keel over. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, and I'll go to grab my crotch. And like, I've never felt that. Like, I have no idea what that feels like, but I still carry my own stories about what that feels like or, or what that must be like. And birthers are the same. So even if they could never physically give birth, a lot of birthers have stories of how painful it is and how awful it is. And there can be semi, there are, they can sometimes be even more afraid than the birther. So I think birthing partners can help by unpacking some feelings and leaving those at the door, you know? Yeah. Um, so that they can just not be the ones who are afraid. Um, that's super helpful. Um, and I think birthing partners can, can be there next to their partners when they're doing the physical prep. So for example, um, like when someone's on a foam roller, you know, they could practice like, you know, running their fingers through somebody's hair and asking the birth, like, does this feel nice? You know, and the birther could be like, no, that's so distracting, but that would feel so good if you did it between the foam rolling right yeah. you know that they can practice like being the water givers they can you know the partner can begin to visualize how they fit in if they are involved in that physical prep and even if like the telling the birth stories like the birth partner can be the one to tell a birth story too um and then so that way they can um yeah just so the birther has an idea of how the where the partners are because i see over and over again you know, a huge comfort measure for a birther is often their partner. But if their partner isn't in this place, in, in a good place, then they're doing the opposite of the uncomfort measure. And they're actually sometimes stopping labor from progressing or making things energetically more difficult for the birther. Right. Yeah. So basically practicing together, you know, um, and, and also practicing the communication piece too, right? Like it's an exploration, it's a communication, it's a, you know, connecting um, so that, you know, they're also not going to feel overwhelmed by, you know, the birther's experience of the sensations, right? Like, oh my God, they're going through this. Like, I don't know what to do. It's like, okay, well, we've kind of, we've tried this and we've tried this and like, let me see if I, you know, let me bring over a glass of water. Let me, you know, let me just pull, let me, let me massage, let me, you know, squeeze, let me, you know, yeah. hug or hold your hand or, you know, like, so I, I think that practice piece and including, um, the partner in that piece can be really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So I make like, for example, I make families, um, plan out their labor stations, you know, so if you go into labor at home, where are your six labor stations? Cause I want the partners to be able to like tangibly set up things when labor starts. Cause they also want to feel helpful. Right. Yeah. So if they yeah. know that like one labor station is, you know, in the bathroom. So then like they can go prep the bathroom and make sure that it's just like clean and tie and the candles lit and the birth ball needs to be in the living room and the bed needs to have, you know, uh, all the extra pillows, right? Just so that they can, can really imagine what it's going to be like. So when, when it's go time, they, they know where to go and what to do. And that's, you know, and that, that, you know, Penny Simpkin 
she's kind of, we love her in the birth world, but she, you know, she tells partners to do the take charge routine. You know, that's kind of like, you know, the, the, the partner comes in and lets the birther know, like, I'm here for you. I'm taking care of you. I see you. I got your back. And that presence in a birth allows a birther to feel safe. And when a birther feels safe, we know that labor does exactly what it needs to do. Absolutely. Yep. hundred percent. Just, just knowing that, you know, your partner is there and is going to, you know, help you work through, um, even if the birther doesn't necessarily want, you know, want them that close all the time, right? Sometimes it's like, I just need a, I just need a moment here. I just, you know, I need a little yeah. space, right? Um, you know, or just, you know, having the partner feel comfortable saying, hey, you know, we've, we've been in this station for a little while. Do, would you like to try something else? And just like helping them transition into a different station just to keep it fresh and new and and yeah. and and novel right because sometimes you know um the birther can't think right yeah. and you know it's getting harder and harder maybe in one position um and all they might really need to do is just change position and having somebody there to be like hey you know would you like some help you know moving you know to your yeah. side or to over here um you know that can that can kind of like bring the birther back to the you know, sort of back into the moment and be like, yeah, okay, let's, let's change position. Right. And then having that help to actually move from one position to the other, um, yeah. can be so helpful. Yeah. And some, some families are, are, are resistant to the role play before, you know, they, they, and it's something that kids do so well, right? Like, you know, they, they allow themselves to be something else and not be afraid. And, and so sometimes I feel like partners are afraid you know, to say the wrong thing right. or, you know, so, and I, and so I tell them like, you know, chances are one of us will say the wrong thing, but I would rather say it in practice labor than in real labor. Yeah. You know, so kind of like go there, you know, and I tell partners like give compliments, like when you're at a labor station practicing, like give them a compliment and ask them what they think about that. Cause they might not think that that's a very like positive thing that they want to hear. Like, some birthers hate hearing that they that they look beautiful because they look up and they're like, "There's no way I look beautiful," you know, like you're lying, you know. It just infuriates them, but they want to hear like, "That was a great exhale," or like, you know, you're like, you know, just like some a little bit of reassurance and just practicing those things um, is. And again, you you're right. You're, no one will know. Maybe on the day of labor, everything that we thought that we wanted is not what we want. Um, but it's it's. I do find that curiosity and the exploration and the openness to be an incredible comfort measure tool um, because being able to be open during labor and, and radically honest with each other um, and showing up is, is that's the key to, to feeling comfortable in la in labor. And that's what a comfort measure is, is how do we make you feel comfortable and, and some of these ways are superficial. Um, and so that's why I'm looking for like the deep seated ways to make someone feel comfortable. So the heat pad, you know, is just an addition because the person is feeling, you know, very, very safe. You know, a heat pad doesn't help if somebody is, you know, feeling like at any moment, you know, all the lights are on and that they're, you know, going to be exposed. It doesn't matter how many rebozo techniques, you know, or how good your hip squeeze is right? That's, you know, it's gotta, it's, it's gotta be a little bit deeper than that. And I think it happens before labor even starts. Yeah. 
I think that those are some really great um, points that you've you've brought up. Um, because there's lots of you know there is there are lots of superficial things, um, and you know some work some don't work for people. Um, but it's sort of that exploring piece and then diving deeper into um, you know how you're thinking and feeling about all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there anything that people need to consider um, if they're birthing in a you know a hospital as it relates to comfort measures? Um, yeah. So I okay. So full disclosure, I I I almost exclusively work in hospitals. Um, so most of my clients is exactly where they want to be. It's where they feel safest. Um, it's it's what they're where they the birthing place choice. So I'm I'm I love hospitals, um, but I do want to acknowledge that when people are birthing in a hospital, um, comfort the comfort measures don't necessarily have the same effect because of, of you know the, the environment of being in a hospital. So right. the, the metaphor I sometimes use for people is like, especially in you know as they're doing this work is like, you know your comfort measures are your muscles, right? So like your muscles are so good and they're strong and you've been flexing them. And then the hospital is like a layer of fascia over top of it, right? Yeah. So it's kind of like, so sometimes people feel the safest in the hospital but it's because they feel that's where they're best controlled mm-hmm. or where they're best restricted or like sometimes the fascia, like it doesn't like you can have all the comfort measures in the world, but when you get to the hospital and the bright lights are, you know, subconsciously or consciously triggering, or you don't want to be naked in front of strangers or whatever reason, then like, when it doesn't really matter how strong your muscles are because they can't move. Right. You know, they, they're, they're just stuck. You know, they're not, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a tough encasing to sometimes, you know, to be able to warm up and to knead through all those knots and be able to have that full range of motion during labor so someone could really use those comfort measures to their full advantage. That can be tough. So I think people are, are birthing in a hospital is to A, like really work through, like just like make sure you know, like why do I feel comfortable in the hospital? Like what's uncomfortable at the hospital, right? What can I control? So can we turn the lights down? Can we limit the amount of strangers that come in and out? Can I make sure that I'm covered, right? Or doing the opposite. Like, can I, how can I feel comfortable under bright lights? And I acknowledge that, you know, some people have, you know, don't have sex with a light on, you know? And like, they just don't feel comfortable in, the, in a place where everyone's looking at them with a bright light. So that could be something they can work through before or might not be something, you know? So like, and, and so that's, a piece that only someone on the inside for themselves is going to, is going to really know. Um, so comfort measures at the hospital are great. There's going to be hot packs, there's cold packs, they have a shower, um, they have sheets as a rebozo, they have the birth ball for positioning. You know, they have a lot of the tools that somebody is going to want for comfort measures. Um, but I just encourage people to think of the, the undercurrent of being at the hospital. Um, mm-hmm. And just really being sure that that that's something that you know the boogeymen of the hospital become a lot less scary if you know what they look like, you know, under the birthing bed. So take a peek, you know, before you go to the hospital, and like what kind of freaking about about the hospital? Figure out whether you can change it, figure out whether you can accept it, and if not, that's totally okay. But at least you know you kind of 
just just acknowledging it is is a huge is a huge mm-hmm. piece of of it. And I imagine also, you know, um, kind of just having an idea of what you have access to, um, or if there's any policies or procedures that may impact certain comfort measures. I think knowing that stuff too beforehand can be helpful. So like you're not there, like, you know, you got your full aromatherapy set up and they don't allow that kind of stuff, right? Like you don't want to be sort of thrown off. Um, you know, if you, if you're expecting to have a ball and they might not have one, um, or maybe you're thinking, well, I'd like, um, you know, a bath. Um, some of the hospitals don't have that. Right. So also being aware of like what will be accessible and what won't be accessible so that it's like, okay, cool. Then you're, you're, you're prepared, right? Yes, absolutely. And because it can be discouraging, right? You know, somebody's, you know, birth balls, there's so much imagery about birth on birth balls. So, you know, when someone, it's true, someone goes to the hospital and every birth ball is busy and, you know, one just popped and there's not one for a birther, that can be, you know, for not to be punny, but like deflating, right? That can be very, you know, like, oh, this isn't what I expected. And that's going to you know, that becomes a, a negative distraction and, the, and an uncomfort measure, right? That's, that's yeah, not yeah. very helpful. So, um, yeah, I, you know, I tell, I tell birthers that, you know, I can bring my birth bag and I can do every comfort measure in the world, but if your headspace doesn't want to be comforted or doesn't believe that it can be, then there's not much that I can do about that, right? So just yeah. like checking themselves first and then, and then allowing themselves to be comforted is, I think, also... Uh, important. It's, it's yeah, part of the magic for sure. Are there any resources that uh, you find helpful? Like, is there a particular, is there anything like you have birthers read or is there any, you know, particular things you have them watch any specific videos? Do you have anything that you sort of? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I, I do encourage um, birthing families to even if they even if their plan is like a cesarean or an epidural whatever that is I do encourage them to watch birth videos um and I encourage them like you can watch it with the sound off you know first and just like see what's going on um I I've gone through and I've actually like curated videos I've taken clips of ones that I want families to be able to see um so I birth tube so it's like YouTube for birth um it's on Facebook it's a private group you have to request um, but people will live stream their births there and then all the births get saved. So you can go through and there's like so many real bodies and real people giving birth in hospital at home with midwives with OBs, doulas, no doulas, partners, unassisted. Like it's, you've got every flavor of birth there. That's what did you call really it? Birth, birth cube? Like, uh, like, no, tube. Oh, birth <laughs> tube. I heard birth yeah. cube. I was like, okay, I, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Birth tube okay cool yeah yeah like youtube but yeah 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 <laughs> so i love that um I, i'd be lying if i didn't say i love you know may gaskin stuff uh i think she's uh really great she you know i mean she's made some kind of poor decisions um but I, you know i do like her guide to childbirth her book is is um she owns she has the farm so she talks about what birthing is like at the farm and and she just has like a really positive view of birth, a very capable view, you know, and I think that's really refreshing uh, to hear. So I think that's really powerful. 
Um, and I, I do, I, I, you know, I think that there's, I try to um, have clients read and watch things about that birth matters, you know, and more about not what happens during birth, but the way they feel when they're birthing. Um, so infant mental health stuff, maternal mental health, um, I, just to kind of, you know, let them know that their feelings are important about yeah. this stuff. And, and, you know, I, and I'm not anti-epidural at all. I, I often, you know, for some people, it actually is the best thing that they could do for themselves because I don't want them to be re-traumatized. I don't want them to, you know, to, to be put in situations where they're, you know, uncomfortable and having flashbacks to these things that were happening that they really weren't okay with. Yeah. Um, so I think the resources are really just about, um, you know, I don't really love all the meditations. I don't send that stuff out too often. Um, but I do send, you know, work on how the body remembers things. You know, a lot of Gabor Mate that the idea is that, you know, memories and things that have happened to us are things we store in our body. And those are as, as part of labor. Um, and those are the pieces that were often comforting. Yeah. Right. So it's not, you know, it, it could be that, you know, my, my, you know, my dad is not, but let's say my father, you know, he, you know, was physically intimidating. Right. He was just bigger than me. And, you know, and, and so sometimes those feelings can be re-triggered. Right. And, and that's a now comforting that little girl who's afraid, you know, I'm not afraid. It's just like that memory is I'm feeling it in my body because it's a similar sensation to what I felt before. Right. So just letting people know that sometimes labor sensations are hard because they remind us of other things. Um, and, and, and that our body will also remember labor. Right. And that, and that this is just, it's a beautiful vessel that can an incredible tool. Um, and, and to just make sure that, you know, we honor it in any way that it, that it needs to be honored during labor. For sure. So, let me ask you if people um, are looking for, you know, some birth education classes from you or, you know, we're resonating with you, um, would like to chat more with you. Where, where, where can people find you um, and connect with you? So usually the easiest and fastest is um, through Instagram that way. And then I can connect with that person over text or email. So my Instagram is um, M-T-H-R lover. So mother lover, but no vowels in the beginning. Um, or through my website, so you can find all that stuff at motherlover.ca. Um, so yeah, and that way I post all my classes there. I let people keep lots of chatting on, on Instagram with, with families. Um, so email, Instagram, those, those, both those things work. And so it's Janalee at motherlover.ca um, or M-T-H-R lover on Instagram. Awesome. And we will post those links in the show notes so you um, can connect easily with uh, Jana Lee and, uh, you know, um, follow her and, and seek out the wonderful information she always has to share with us. And I want to thank you very much for coming and, uh, you know, bring, highlighting some really important points um, and, you know, sharing your experiences and your wisdom and, your time. So thank you. Thank you. And so I want to thank you for all well, two things. Thank you for holding space for, again, this kind of like left field, um, you know, like comfort measure stuff. 
um, I, I really appreciate having a chance to, to share um, this with you. Um, and then the other thing, Madeline, can you make sure that you post your link to your article on pain? Because I share it with all my clients, and I just want everyone here to make sure that they have that, because that has informed a lot of the decisions that I have, or conversations, sorry, that I have with my clients. Um, and can you just make sure that you do that? I will put the link. Uh, you're referring to my pain, my pain blog that I did a while ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll link it to the show to the show notes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. That's pretty amazing. So. Well, thank you thank for. You, thank you. Highlighting me there, you know, getting a little, you know, blushy over here. So, um, so thanks again. And of course, I always want to thank our listeners for, uh, you know, uh, listening to the show and uh, hopefully subscribing to the show, sharing episodes with, uh, you know, friends and loved ones, because you never know who needs to hear what at what point. So um, yeah, and then until next time, we will see you a little later. Well, not see you, but you know, connect with you in the, you know, virtual realm. Okay. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to living a better life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again until the next episode. Bye for now.